Welcome to Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI Energy. On this episode of Energy Analyst Talk, we're revisiting U.S. sanctions on Venezuela's oil industry with Chris Cody, who last spoke with us on episode 17, published June 4th. So Chris, when we last spoke a month ago, you mentioned that we were going to see a continuing game of cat and mouse between the U.S. Treasury Department and Venezuela's oil industry, especially around the maritime industry and exports. So what update do you have for us today? Well, thanks, Jake, for having me back on. So in early June, the U.S. was already sanctioning individual ship captains and ship owners for transporting fuel to Venezuela or for transporting crude out of Venezuela in violation of U.S. sanctions. And they're really getting in the weeds, um, you know, narrowing things down. Now, OFAC, the sanctions unit in the U.S. Treasury Department, is pressuring insurance companies to drop coverage of any tanker involved with Venezuela. And they're also pressuring flag states which is where ships get their registration uh, to deflag the ships, basically leaving them you know, un- unsaleable. They wouldn't be able to enter ports of call legally. Uh, while this is a general policy, this, this is a general sanction, the U.S. is targeting five tankers carrying gasoline to Iran right now, three of which are still off the coast of Iran reportedly, and the other two are, are moving now through the Med near Greece. Fuel from Iran, now that's interesting. What do Iran and Venezuela have to do with each other in this case? Uh, I think in part, their exclusion by the U.S. from more transparent markets has pushed them together. So while on the surface, this might seem like a bad outcome for policymakers in Washington, there's now more collaboration between two members of what Washington sees as as bad actors or rogue states. I think it actually works in in the policymakers' favor. Iran outranks Venezuela in the hierarchy of U.S. foreign policy. So the more those responsible for Venezuela can tie their issues to Iran, the more action they're likely to see on their own agenda. This is often the case with Latin America issues, uh, which are forgotten quickly when something explodes in the Middle East or Asia. And from John Bolton's book, uh, we saw that President Trump had largely lost interest in Venezuela after a few flurries of activity last year. It didn't end up going his way or, or leading to larger momentum in favor of the opposition. Uh, And then Venezuela was forgotten at the highest levels in Washington. Now, with this new connection to Iran, Elliot Abrams, the special envoy for Venezuela at the State Department, has elevated the issue inside the department and inside the government in general. He's working with Brian Hook, who's the special envoy for Iran and a very influential figure inside the State Department, especially with Mike Pompeo, the secretary. Uh, And they're also working with Wilbur Ross, who's the Commerce Secretary. Um, And he has the presidency here on China and other issues. Uh, And together, they're working to take more action on Venezuela. So this linkage to Iran has actually worked out well in in Washington's favor. Even the act of getting the insurance companies involved is right out of the U.S. playbook on on Iran and and the way that they've handled sanctions there. And do you think we'll see any outcome from these recent developments? Yeah, I think that's the right question, Jake. Um, But let's take a step back first and look at what's already happened in Venezuela's oil industry in the last six months or so. Exports have now fallen to nominal amounts. Brian Hook just announced that they reached an all-time low of 70,000 barrels a day recently. Storage tanks are full and with little or no export outlet, this means PDVSA will now have to shut in more production. We estimate that Venezuela's output will average around 300,000 barrels a day this summer, or only about 40% of the 800,000 barrels a day of production before sanctions began in earnest in May 2019. Sure, we're in a pandemic and a surplus oil environment for now, but Trump's sanctions have had a pronounced effect in reducing Venezuela's oil industry already. 
So is that the end game Washington's looking for? Zero oil production? Sort of. They want to force Maduro to the table to negotiate a transition of government in Venezuela. To do that, Washington is clamping down on any cash going into Venezuela. They've been more lenient with fuel entering that is paying off debt or is a swap for crude. This is what Mexico's president was getting at when he suggested about a month ago that Mexico could send gasoline to Venezuela for humanitarian reasons. I I don't think that this will happen. But oil is only one part of the puzzle, albeit the largest. The Venezuelan leadership have other sources of revenue. They're selling their gold reserves and they traffic drugs as well. The amount of cash you need is really different when you're trying to keep a few thousand people loyal rather than run a country properly. The U.S. is cutting off many of these sources, but it's obviously slow going. It's been years already, and I think it will continue for some time. We're not ready to pronounce the end of Venezuelan oil or the Maduro regime yet. Let's end on an ever-present question these days. What role does the coronavirus play in this? The coronavirus is definitely an X factor for Venezuela, just like it is everywhere else. First, it upended the oil market, cutting in half or more any revenue the government was eking out of its oil production in April and May. Prices have recovered substantially since then, but now Venezuela isn't really exporting, so it's not getting that benefit. We don't have a good sense of how the coronavirus is affecting the general population. The official case count is still quite low compared to other countries in the region or just most countries in general, but it's hard to trust those numbers. But what we can see are the high profile cases. Over the weekend, two of Maduro's top allies, Diosdado Cabello and Tarek el announced that they tested positive for COVID-19. It's hard to think of a good analogy in the U.S. for these two men, but they're not just associates or, you know, the vice president. It, it, that doesn't really uh, match for what their status is inside of Venezuela and inside of the Maduro government. They're really, just like Maduro, standard bearers of, of the legacy of Hugo Chavez, And many say that Cabello has more power than Maduro, for example. Either of these two could be next in line for the presidency if Maduro were ousted without a full transition. And, you know, it's hard to say what this specific news or the news of coronavirus in general will have on the the regime, but we're watching closely. Thanks for the update, Chris. Looking forward to having you back soon. Thanks, Jake. Thank you for joining us on Energy Analyst Talk a podcast from ESAI Energy.